The Super Bowl starts in an hour and a half, at least at the time of this recording. But you don't care about football. You care about Sacramento Kings basketball. And on today's Locked On Kings podcast, I'm going to be joined by Kuka Hill, host of the Locked On Pistons podcast. We're going to talk about the Marvin Bagley trade to the Detroit Pistons. Of course, the biggest piece that the Kings got back in that trade was Dante DiVincenzo, who came back from the Milwaukee Bucks. So he's not going to be able to tell us anything about that. But he'll be able to fill us in, give us a little context on Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles. Plus, we'll have a lengthy conversation about Marvin Bagley, his future that I think you're going to be interested in. It's all right here on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I am your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering Kings basketball for ABC 10 News and Television here in the California capital. And yes... The Kings are 2-0. and oh. It's a glorious thing to say uh, since they made their major trade, sending Tyrese Halliburton to the Indiana Pacers for a package including DeMontis Sabonis. But that's not the only move that the Kings made. They finally traded away Marvin Bagley, a move that's been on the horizon for a while, a move that the Kings and Detroit Pistons have been connected in in and with uh, for a while. The Kings asked for Sadiq Bey for Marvin Bagley in a trade last season. Of course, the Pistons laughed and, and said no. Finally, both teams were able to get a deal done and the Kings somehow managed to turn Marvin Bagley into Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles. DiVincenzo has played. The other two have not for the Kings. Of course, DiVincenzo, the sexier name out of that package that came from Milwaukee. But still, I wanted to make sure I got together with Kuka Hill of Locked On Pistons so we could talk about this trade. He can fill us in on the two uh, relatively unknown players. Some of you might be familiar with Josh Jackson being picked one pick before De'Aaron Fox in the 2017 draft, but Trey Lyles, is he going to be anything and can he be anything for the Sacramento Kings? Uh, we'll get the full, at least Detroit Pistons perspective and context on those two players, uh, and I'll fill Koo in on, on Marvin Bagley, and we'll have a lengthy discussion about Marvin uh, that I'm sure you're going to want to weigh on in on, and you're going to want to hear as we for finally say bon voyage to the, uh, the Marvin Bagley uh, failure of an era here in Sacramento. So without any further ado, please enjoy my crossover conversation with Locked On Pistons and Kuka Hill. Matt, thank you for coming on here and agreeing to doing a crossover episode, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad uh, I'm glad we actually do have a legitimate trade to talk about, and I'm glad that Marvin Bagley ended up at one of the best landing destinations that I think uh, for Marvin. Uh, and Koo, I actually have to start this off speaking to some of your Detroit Pistons fans and, and Locked On Pistons listeners because I pissed some of them off uh, talking about <laughs> Cade Cunningham. Just a side remark about Cade Cunningham that I didn't think that, that was it was that big of a deal. I've barely watched Cade play, and I know uh, that he's had some injuries, at least to start the season, but he's been playing very well recently. I said that he was not living up to expectations and I just meant it as a side comment because he hadn't played for the entire season uh, but I guess I was wrong and I pissed off Detroit Pistons Nation for that. <laughs> Kate Cunningham is fantastic. You should all love and worship him uh, and I'm wrong and I'm an idiot from Sacramento so don't worry about what I have to say. <laughs> you all good. You all good. Lockdown Pistons listeners, you guys know you guys are very passionate and hardcore with you guys' fandom so give my guy Matt a break. He wasn't trying to you know, throw any ill will towards Kate Cunningham uh, but 
I'll let you go first, Matt. We'll talk about the guys you guys got first. So you can go ahead and start it off. I'll let you take it from here. Any questions or anything you want to ask about Josh Jackson or Trey Lyles? Yeah, kind of the harsh reality of this trade is that the best and main piece that the Kings wanted in a Marvin Bagley trade didn't come from Detroit. It came yeah. in the end from uh, from Milwaukee getting Dante DiVincenzo, who the Kings have targeted for a couple of seasons. The Kings had a sign and trade in place uh, when Bogdan Bogdanovich was a restricted free agent to go to Milwaukee. And of course that fell apart. Uh, and DiVincenzo was supposed to come back to Sacramento and he's an ideal fit type player for what the Kings have been looking for, even though right now he's battling back from injury. But obviously we're not here to talk about DiVincenzo. Uh, we're here to talk about both Trey Lyles and Josh Jackson, both of which did not play in their first opportunities uh, with the Sacramento Kings and their win over the Washington Wizards last night. And I'm curious if the two of them are just expiring deals that uh, the Kings are going to wave goodbye to at the end of the season. I imagine Trey Lyles is more than likely that. Uh, but Josh Jackson is who I know if there's anything to be curious about from that that Pistons package, it's Josh Jackson, who, of course, was selected uh, one pick ahead of De'Aaron Fox in the 2017 draft. The Phoenix Suns taking Jackson uh, fourth overall, the Kings taking Fox fifth. Uh, and he's on his fifth team now, the Kings being his fifth team. So obviously uh, things have not worked for him. He, he's even spent some time recently uh, in the G League. So he is still a young player. He's still an exciting player and, and a player that could potentially help the Kings going forward. So I'm just curious, Ku, your overall, um, I guess, synopsis of Josh Jackson's time as the Detroit Pistons and how much you think he has to offer a team like the Kings or any team at this point in his career. Uh, well, a lot of us love Josh Jackson here, obviously, because he's from Detroit. He was a Detroit kid. So we all very much like Josh and and wish him the best over there in Sacramento. Hopefully he can put some put some good games together and stretch, you know, a good a good stretch of games and is able to resurrect his career somewhat. Um, so what Josh is, Josh is going to give you guys a lot of a lot of like flashes. You guys are going to think you guys have something because he's capable of putting together a few games here when you're like, okay, I can see why he was drafted fourth overall pick. He's really good at getting to the basket. He's explosive. He can get to the rim and finish over guys. He can draw fouls. When he's uh, assertive defensively, when he's actually paying attention defensively, he's actually a real impact defender if he if he wants to be. The problem with Josh has been, um, for at least when he was in Detroit, uh, when he first signed to Detroit, the first like half of the season, he was playing extremely well. It looked like it was a, a slam dunk signing. Uh, he had done resurrected his career, but his the main issue with Josh is his decision making. He doesn't he 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 loses focus a lot of times. He makes a lot of bad passes sometimes. Over the offseason, Dwayne Casey spoke about how the main thing they were working with him on was decision making and 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 making the right play and not forcing things as much. Uh, a lot of things you'll see from Josh is he'll dribble himself into bad positions and he'll try to force a a pass that isn't there. He doesn't. He's too quick to try to get the ball in his hands once he sees that he doesn't have a shot, uh, and he ends up turning the ball over. Uh, but I, I think, I think you guys will enjoy his defensive intensity if he does crack the rotation at any point, and he will show you guys flashes every now and then offensively getting to the basket. He still struggles to shoot the ball from beyond the arc. Uh, he still struggles shooting the ball basically from anywhere. I would say, um, I think he even struggles from the free throw line this year and over the past few years as well. Uh, but getting to the rim. Finishing over guys in transition, uh, catching oops. Uh, like he's he's a really good athlete, and he has really good touch around the rim. Uh, so you'll you'll be you'll find yourself thinking, okay, maybe if we can just add this or add this to the guy, he can become something. 
a lot, I feel like, because that was certainly what we found ourselves doing. But the problem with Josh is that simply he just wasn't able to hold on to that type of play for long periods of time. And oftentimes his decision-making fell back to he'll show improvements a little bit and then he'll fall back down to where he has been throughout his career. And that's continued to be his downfall, I feel like, in his career majorly, his decision-making. Yeah, his inconsistency, honestly, is less worrisome for me from a Kings perspective than his his lack of shooting is, especially now that the the Kings are, are building their core around De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Bonus, neither of which are known for their shot. Uh, you want to try and surround the two of them with shooters, and the Kings have tried to do that as best they can so far, and it's worked somewhat short-term with guys like Mo Harkless, who had a nice game, although he's not known for his three-point shot. Harrison Barnes is playing really well right now, but he can be streaky from three-point range. Uh, the Kings need more spacing. Uh, if Josh Jackson is going to be able to fit with this group, he has to find a way offensively to space the floor without just standing on an island and basically watching things. Uh, so the only way that I can see Josh Jackson getting any kind of opportunity is if he brings it on the defensive end. Uh, and so what do you think about Josh's ability to make a immediate impact defensively? Is that an area that needs more work, an area that you think he could um, solidify a role here in Sacramento? Because if he's not able to do that, I, I can't see any opportunity for him to get much playing time other than garbage time minutes on this team for the rest of this season. Uh, I definitely feel like he can do that. I, I, his biggest, his most bright spots in Detroit probably happened with him on the defensive end. He can be a real impactful defender. Uh, for someone his size, he is actually a tremendous, like, blocking. Like, he gets a lot of blocks on the help side coming off the weak side or or in transition, chase downing guys. Uh, but he's he can switch along guys. He's also big. He's long. He's pretty strong for his size. He looks slender, but he actually is pretty strong for his size. A lot of times, I saw the Pistons a, a few times put him out there uh, at the four position, a lot of times he possibly was the Pistons' best rebounder sometimes on the floor. Like he's our defensive rebounder on the floor when they went super small. Uh, he's incredibly physical on the defensive end. He's not afraid to get into guys. That's kind of his personality too. Uh, you'll see that rear his head every now and then. I'm, I don't know if you guys will enjoy it as much, but we enjoyed it here in Detroit. We, we liked seeing that. Um, but definitely defensively, I feel like he could probably help over there. If he remains po- focused and he knows that's his role and has given a clear role, he can make an impact defensively, not just as an average defender. I think he actually could be a plus defender for the Kings if if he's given that type of role and he knows that's what he needs to do to get on the floor. Because, he again, he's able to get into the passing lanes. He's able to play str- strong with guys who are bigger than him. He's able to make impact plays on the weak side with, with blocks and transition. And he's also, when you need him to, if you need him to get on the glass and try to help you guys up there, he's able to do that too. He's not afraid to get into guys and, and start getting physical with dudes. He likes doing that. So, I think he's able to do that. It just comes down to, is he willing to? Yeah, to me, it just seems like an extremely low-risk, high-reward player, which might be enticing for Sacramento. But if they're going for a play-in slash playoff race where every win uh, matters at this point for the remainder of the season, I just don't know what opportunity that he gets. But we'll have to wait and see with that. I do know that he's being paid $5 million this year. He's an upcoming uh, uh, unrestricted free agent. Only 24 years old. will be 25 uh, this after he signs his next contract. So he fits timeline-wise with this Kings core of Fox and Sabonis, who are both 24 and 25. Um, uh, in terms of his value and his market, do you think Josh Jackson is going to be one of those guys that is a minimum type signing that the Kings could get for super cheap this summer? Do you think that he'll have a market that teams will try to take a flyer on him? I can't see him making more than $5 million of what he's making right now. I imagine it's going to be less. But what do you think the market is for Josh Jackson and how the Kings should potentially approach that this upcoming summer? 
I think the quick answer is I think he doesn't make anything more than what he's making now. I could see him making basically between three to five million again, possibly a two-year deal with like a team option on the second, something like that. Uh, I, I think basically what he got from Troy Weaver, what was it like now, two years ago, almost two years now, um, I think that's exactly the type of deal he'll get. Whether he gets a mark from other teams, I'm not sure. He, he Again, he's just so inconsistent, and I'm sure some team would probably want to he's a fourth overall pick who shows flashes every now and then. I'm sure maybe a team would, would willingly take a chance on him, but he's just so inconsistent. I don't think you guys will have any trouble if you guys want to bring him back for that price. I don't think you guys will have any trouble wanting to, or getting that done. All right. So Ku, tell uh, locked on Kings listeners and Kings fans in general, a little bit about Trey Lyles. Cause there's not too many of us that know uh, much about Lyles. I know from following you on, on Twitter and, and your commentary that Lyles uh, would, would frustrate you and frustrate some, uh, some Pistons fans at times. I think you mentioned something like him bringing the ball up the floor a couple too many times, uh, but give us a little bit of, of an idea about Trey Lyles, uh, a power forward, um, not the most consistent, floor space or a three-point shooter 33 percent three-point shooter for his career is that something that he could bring to the kings if he's going to get playing time is there anything that would surprise fans about trey lyles would you expect him to be kind of the hold down the end of the bench and and say sayonara by the end of the year type player like i believe he is um i i don't think you guys are gonna like trey lyles that's all i'm gonna say uh, i think so the thing with trey lyles is he's not a very good three-point shooter but he'll take him um He's an awful passer. He's the one guy who I said, I, I tweeted this out a few months ago after watching him for like three weeks. Um, he's the one guy in the NBA, I think, has 25 passer rating and also 25 passing tendency and 25 passing accuracy. It's like he not only can he not pass, he chooses not to pass. And when he does pass, it's off the mark. Like it's just awful. So all of those situations, I, I think he's going to really annoy a lot of Kings fans. But – the one thing that is like that keeps people he'll have some lovers because he is an okay self-creation guy for scoring. Like he's not going to pass the ball. If he gets the ball in his hands, he's likely going to go try to score for himself. He is okay enough at that to where you'll see, I believe he was averaging around 10, 11 points this year on like 45% shooting. I think somewhere around there. So he's like good. He's okay enough in self-creation as a, as a stretch big. Um, he, he's, he, he's decent in that area. So he, if you guys need someone who's able to score from that position or able to create for themselves, he'll be able to do that. But oftentimes you found with the Pistons is that he's able to do that, but it turns into like a black hole kind of thing. Like you either live or die by Trey Lyles. Either he's on that night or every every minute he's on the floor, if he's off, you're just screwed because he's not going to pass the ball. And if he does, it's a turnover. Well, that's good enough for me. That's all I think I have from the, the Locked on Kings perspective. We got to get to the main event, really, of the conversation, which, of course, is Marvin Bagley, who uh, who the Kings sent uh, to the Detroit Pistons. Before we get to that, though, I uh, want to make sure to tell our listeners about Bilt Bar. They've been a sponsor of the Locked on Kings podcast, Locked on Pistons podcast, the Locked on Podcast Network for quite some time. Uh, right now, this February time is typically where we see people start to kind of give up a little bit or they've already given up on those New Year's resolutions, especially to eat healthy. Healthier to to get right, maybe to to 
lose weight or put on weight if you're looking to add some muscle. It's hard to carry that through, and a lot of times it doesn't survive through January. But the good news is you have the remainder of the year to pick it back up again, and Built Bar can help you uh, pick it back up. A protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, so not only is it healthy for you, it replaces those snacks, that stuff that we all have sweet tooths. We don't want to give up uh, when we diet or when we try and go away from calorie-heavy foods like candy bars. Candy bars, on average, uh, have like 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. Built Bars take care of all that, but you still feel like you're eating a candy bar, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein on average in built bars, a massive amount of flavors for you to try. My favorite uh, is the mint brownie bar, but if you're a fruit lover, they got fruit options like raspberry and orange, heavy chocolate options, uh, and they're coming out with new products and new flavors all the time. When you go to built.com to order, I recommend ordering a bit uh, a mixed box. If it's your first order, they'll send you a bunch of different flavors for you to try. Uh, if, uh, uh, you are a veteran of Built Bar, though. You know on Built.com, you can build your own custom boxes, order your favorite flavors, and have them sent directly to you. And regardless of what you order, make sure you use our promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thank you, Matt, for telling everybody about our favorite protein bar, Built Bar. You guys, you locked on Pistons know that my favorite Flavor over there is the peanut butter flavor. That's my absolute favorite. Uh, but you guys know Built Bar is, is your guys' favorite protein bar out there. Make sure you guys go check it out at built.com. I want to thank you guys again for making the Lockdown Pistons and you Lockdown Kings listeners, Lockdown Kings, your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And for Lockdown Pistons listeners, I'm sure it's the same for Matt over at Lockdown Kings. Best way to support the podcast, head to the YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. It's the best way to support Lockdown Pistons podcast. I'm sure Matt will enjoy it as well if you guys went over there and checked him out. Uh, but all right, Matt, got questions about Marvin Bagley, man. Uh, I have questions about Marvin Bagley too, but we're <laughs> we're gonna do our best to try and figure this out. And before you even jump into your questions, truth be told, I will say uh, that I wish the guy nothing but the best. He absolutely needs a fresh start. This could be exactly what he needs to turn his career around. And like you and I have discussed both on the air and off the air before coup, I think Detroit could potentially be a, a, a fantastic landing destination for him. So if I was a Pistons fan, I would be excited about the prospect of Marvin Bagley joining the team and how he could potentially grow uh, with Cade Cunningham. So, appreciate those words because I think all Pistons fans are just clinging, trying to find something to get excited about this season uh, because there's not much, uh, especially when Kate sits out and is dealing with an injury. It's not much. Uh, it's been tough sometimes. But Marvin Bagley's heading to Detroit. Not everyone's extremely excited. His dad already tweeted at the Pistons Twitter a picture of his jersey. Uh, everyone's freaking out over there. Like, it, 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 it's definitely a bunch of fun right now. However, there's actually one thing I want to talk about before we even get into like what his strengths, weakness, how he can help the Pistons, and what areas, all that kind of stuff. There's actually a question I have to ask about how he was used in Sacramento this year and if it was a him thing, was he wanting to do this, or was it a coaching thing? And the thing I want to ask about mainly, I went to a synergy chart when he traded for the, to the Pistons. And his most used play type by, I believe, double the possessions of the next one was spot-up shooting. And he's shooting 24% from deep this year. Uh, he's it's been a lot up and down first year. He shot 31%, then 18, then 34, then 24. None of it's on very many attempts anyways. Uh, two, I believe he's right at 1.9 attempts a game for his career. Um, but it sounds like from what I've talked to some other Kings people and f from a synergy chart, he spent a lot of his time. Actually, I had one of your Lockdown Kings listeners comment on one of my videos like last week and say, hey, Kings fan here, I really hope Marvin Bagley works out. I pray you guys don't plan him in the corner like we did. It was wasting his development the last two years. So. Speaking of that, do you was that something that Marvin wanted to do? Was that something he like just he was not being aggressive and he just stood in the corner and he was just, you know, 
not being a part of the offense or was that a part of like the offensive system, him being in that corner and that's what the coaching staff wanted out of him? Uh, I think it was definitely more system-based. And look, I don't think the Sacramento Kings really used Marvin effectively at any point during his career. But also at the same time, I don't think Marvin knows how to be used effectively. I think that's one of the biggest issues is, is Marvin didn't really fit anywhere. He, in theory, you'd see, okay, he's got this athleticism, so he'd be great in transition, and he had good transition moments. He should be a great pick-and-roll big, except he doesn't set screens. What I mean by that is he slips every single screen, and it, it, it frustrates the hell out of me. Now that we have someone like DeMontis Sabonis, who's known for screen setting, you can already see the world of difference for De'Aaron Fox, but Bagley, he's an attack-minded, scoring-minded big. So if he's setting a screen for Cade Cunningham, before he makes contact, or if he makes even a tiny bit of contact, he's breaking towards the basket, and it made it super easy to, to, to guard at the same time too, the Kings and, and former head coach Luke Walton tried to use Marvin in more of this stretch big role and develop him as more of a stretch big because he was sharing minutes and court time with a, a big man partner in Rashawn Holmes uh, who outplayed him who deserved that starting spot uh, and who was far more effective on the inside far more effective in the pick and roll so if Marvin was going to get playing time especially as a starter which he and his camp and his family have been clamming for and and, and, and really bitching about since he came into the league uh, which that was at the time head coach Dave Yeager, who believed that he was a bench player. Uh, it's It's been all kinds of messy. So I don't think Luke Walton used Marvin Bagley correctly or effectively, and it ended up him not using Marvin Bagley at all this season, which became another dramatic issue where Marvin's agent said right before the season started that he thought the, the, the Kings were ridiculous for not using his client and saying that his client wasn't going to be a part of the rotation. A lot of just drama that was all around Bagley, but never really had to do with Bagley. Um, but once Walton was fired and Alvin Gentry took over, we saw Marvin getting more playing time. They still wanted to use him as a stretch big because he was still sharing the court a lot of times with Rashawn Holmes, and he was playing with a downhill guard like De'Aaron Fox, so he was trying to stay out of Fox's way. Uh, I still think he needs to to get that three-point shot better. It looked a lot better last year than it did this year. He was shooting it with more confidence to the point where you had to respect it this year. Not so much. Um I think it's a part of his game that he continues to need to develop coup, but it was not just his choice to sit in the corner. If Marvin had his way, he would get the ball in the higher low post and he would go to work and try and score uh, and, and get every single opportunity that he could around the rim and in the paint where he has that athleticism to carry him through, even if he doesn't necessarily have the strength or the body type uh, to, to handle some of the bigs in the NBA yet. So, you know, that, that was, first of all, thank you for that answer, but this is really what it comes down to. I'm just going to ask you this simple question. Do you think it would take like a good offensive-minded coach to figure out how to use Marvin Bagley? I think I think that's part of it. I really think it it's I think it's just going to take Marvin staying on the floor and figuring out what the hell that he is and how that fits with a guy like Cunningham. Like that's that's really what it takes. Like if I'm Dwayne Casey, I'm throwing Marvin Bagley out there as a starter for the remainder of the season every single game, letting him play alongside um, Cade and, and whoever else, and, and consequences be damned. If you lose games, who cares? Hopefully Bagley is able to stay healthy enough to be able to do that, and that's the major question mark. That's why he's been so behind in his development is because of the amount of time he's missed. He's never really been able to get into any kind of rhythm. When he did, especially his rookie season, he came off the bench and he was a impactful player in that second unit. He's capable of putting up 
uh, and I've told you this before, he's capable of putting up like 15 points and nine rebounds or 10 rebounds for the remainder of the season if he gets the playing time and if he stays healthy. But will those be an efficient 15 and nine, 15 and 10? Or will he be tunnel visioned on offense and, and kind of have a Trey Lyles type mindset where he doesn't really pass? That used to be a big problem with him that he's gotten significantly better at. He did much better at actually scoring in the flow of an offense versus stopping the flow to get his. Uh, so really, it, it simply comes down to you need a coach that is going to know and figure out how to use him. That's extremely important. But it's also going to take Marvin playing consistently enough for a coach to know how the hell to use him, if that makes sense. So throw him out there. If he can stay healthy, kind of see what you got. That's what I do for the remainder of the season. Um, and that was not a strategy that the Kings, who are looking to try and win basketball games, could really afford to do. So for Lockdown Pistons listeners, you guys know why my voice sounds so low. I'm terrified, man. I'm so terrified. There, Dwayne Casey's already talking about playing with Isaiah Stewart at the four, and it has me just petrified that they're just going to put him in the corner. And if they do that, I'm not. I'm just going to be so depressed because the Pistons' offense over the last few years has just featured anybody who's a non-shooter go to the corner. <laughs> you go back to Stanley Johnson. You go to Bruce Brown, Killian Hayes, Sekou Dumboya. All for the last few, anyone who is the non-shooter on the team, they go stand in the corner, and there's no kind of movement, there's no kind of sets, there's no kind of backdoor cut or, or drawn up backdoor and cuts. There's no like nothing else. You just stay in the corner. So I am literally sitting over here praying, praying that, that Dwayne Casey does not do that. But my biggest concern is not Barvin Bagley being able to do something on the floor, being able to be be impactful himself, or want to be impactful. At least so far, we haven't seen him play, but that's not my core concern. My core concern is that the head coach that he just came to probably won't be as good, or it might even be worse for him than the coach he had when he was with Sacramento. Because Dwayne Casey, and we talked about this in the podcast a lot, Lockdown Pistons listeners, is that if you follow Dwayne Casey all the way back to Toronto, his biggest issue all the way back then, if you talk, talk to anybody, his lack of offensive creativity. And we've seen that on display all season this year. So if that's going to continue to be an issue and he does not find a way, especially with the Pistons choosing to keep Jeremy Grant, if they don't find a way to not put him in the corner, I'm going to cry for the rest of the season, and this will be a waste of a trade, in my opinion, and I'll be mega depressed. Um, I'll ask you one more question, then we'll get to the ad break real quick. I see Marvin, and like I said, he doesn't have very much sample size to go off of anyway because, like you said, he has so, he's been hurt so many times, so he hasn't really had that much of – of a sample size this season. I know he has an ankle injury that he was nursing before he got traded. I don't know if that was like a James Harden type of hamstring or I'm just sitting out because I'm about to get traded, whatever. Uh, but he has had injuries, like you've said, so they don't, not much to go off of. But you talked about this in the last time you were on here. His second most used play type is offensive putbacks, and he's in the 87th percentile, which Synergy ranks as excellent. Um, you talked about in the last podcast when you came on here like two weeks ago that he's extremely explosive around the rim, and he has that quick – second jump that allows him to get up on, on offensive rebounds or put backs on his own misses, etc. I think personally that if the Pistons utilize him correctly, I would want him in pick and roll situations, possibly try, try to develop him as a lab threat or have him feast off dump offs and let him explode around the rim and use his length and his athleticism around there to get him easy stuff. Don't ask him to do too much self-creation don't ask him to, you know, ISO from the top of the key or something, unpicking pops like Trey Lyle was doing. Try to make it as easy as possible for him. Let him use his athleticism and make the game simple for him. Does that sound like a recipe for success for him? Do you think he succeeds in that? 
or did Sacramento already try to do that? And he just, it, it was just not working. See, I, if I were the Pistons, I'd see, and I'm not saying this is the recipe for success at all, because none of us know with Marvin at this point, but I would put him in as many pick and roll opportunities with Cade Cunningham, pick and roll, pick and pop, have the two run action together and see what works and what doesn't see if Cade can bring the best out of him because Tyrese Halliburton was able to build some sort of chemistry with Marvin to where Marvin looked like a competent pick and roll player at times. But again, like I said earlier, Marvin also will sometimes make too eager of a decision to where his defender doesn't even have to leave him or bother about going over or under a screen or the, the guard defender doesn't even have to bother because they know that Bagley's going to attack and the screen's not going to be that effective. So it ends up just being meaningless, useless. And that was something that frustrated the hell out of me uh, with Marvin's time here in Sacramento. But uh, a lot of his, uh, a lot of his points and a lot of his success too, is just going to be cleanup crew. Like being, uh, being that guy that, can use his athleticism to make up for a lack of strength to get position uh, around the rim in the paint, get tap-ins, get offensive rebounds, second chance points. Uh, that's where Marvin, I think, is at his best right now. And that's just because he doesn't have to have a high basketball IQ to do that. He can just rely on his raw athleticism. We talk about the second jump, which kind of became a joke here in Sacramento and because it was something that you've heard so much talked about since Marvin was selected number two overall. But it's really, it's something that, Pistons fans should notice really quick. He can go up for a rebound, it get tipped, land, and he's right back up before anybody's even getting ready to jump again. And that's a real, uh, he's just a pogo stick. And thankfully that hasn't gone away even with the injuries that he suffered. And that that gets him four, uh, four six, sometimes eight points a game uh, just from that alone. So I'm running him off of pick and rolls and I'm telling him to crash the offensive glass as much as possible and see if he can get his rebounds and second chance points there. And then defensively, I'm just hoping that he's competent. And we'll talk a little bit. My next question will be about his defense, about whether he can play four or five. Where, where do you think he should be suited at? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I have to tell you guys about another one of our sponsors, BetOnline.net. Football Super Bowl is on today. Hope you guys get your bets in and you guys have success. I hope you guys are not betting against the Los Angeles Rams because you guys will be very sad. Matthew Stafford's taking this home, and it's going to be a win for us in Detroit over here too. But basketball is still in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Wasn't that a great fight yesterday, yesterday by the way, in the UFC? Uh, UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Again, head to their website, betonline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action today. BetOnline, where the game starts. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons and Lockdown Kings your first listener of every single day. Excuse me. Uh, we are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to our YouTube channels at Lockdown Pistons, at Lockdown Kings. is the best way to support the podcast. Uh, but yeah, Matt, let's get back into Marvin Bagley. And I want to ask you about his defense. So obviously I think a lot of focus will be offensively from fans about whether he's able to impact the game uh, offensively. Is he going to be able to, you know, shoot the ball? Will he be able to create for himself? They're probably going to ask him to do a lot of things, different things in the Pistons uh, uniform. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but one of the bigger issues or that I think it will rear its head is the fact, where is he fit defensively right now? Uh, I said earlier in the podcast that I'm going to be absolutely petrified if he plays next to Isaiah Stewart because that is probably going to mean he has to sit in the corner offensively. However, if he's not able to play the five defensively, then 
you you might ha- like I see where Dwayne Casey's little issue may arise because you if he's going to be that bad defensively at the five, you might have to have Isaiah Stewart out there, and that might have to force him into some sticky situation offensively that Dwayne Casey's just not creative enough to figure out. Um, do you think that Marvin Bagley can survive as a five? Do you think he can play like stretches as a small ball five? Technically small ball since he's not really like built like I know he's like six eleven or whatever, but it would technically be like small ball five because that's probably not his main position. Do you think he can do that for stretches? Do you think he could eventually fill out a role and that's what, where he'll be like maybe throughout his career? Or do you think he'll eventually find himself at the four and just really just stay away from the five? See, there's still a lot of people in Sacramento who do believe that Marvin's natural position is the five. And he played it in stretches, but never that much. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Kings didn't really have a good floor spacing four to pair with him. If if Marvin were to play in Detroit with a good floor spacing four, then I think a five is a, 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 an appropriate position for him because defensively, honestly, Koo, it's not going to matter. Like Marvin is never going to be a good um, individual defender. I would say he's never going to be a fair individual defender. He's not good on defense. He can be decent enough as a team defender who can rely on his athleticism to make plays every now and then to justify being on the floor. He can outscore his opponents. However, one thing that the Kings did all the time, this wasn't just with Marvin, this was their defensive philosophy. And you know, the Kings have been a disaster defensively for a decade. Um, They switch everything and Marvin would get switched onto guards and they would torch him nightly. Marvin got better from last season to this season as a defender. But that doesn't really mean anything when last season he was one of the worst defenders on the planet. Um, So he has improved. His instincts are getting better. He's getting more comfortable just with the playing time, but he's still not great. So if the Pistons are going to take a a, a flyer from the the Sacramento Kings school of defense, that is to say there is no school, it's (laughs) terrible, and everybody gets a diploma. You, you, he'll switch on everybody and he'll continue to be bad. Um, and I almost felt bad for the guy sometimes because he's athletic enough to not get blown by by guards, but they also don't fear him. They would shoot over the top of him and make everything like the amount of confidence that a guard has when being guarded by Marvin Bagley is the same amount of confidence they had being guarded by Buddy Heald. So it didn't freaking matter in Sacramento anyway. Uh, so <laughs> I, I give, I, I wish Marvin the best. I think he can c- turn into, like I said, a, a team defender that is fine, that is okay, that it does not kill you, is not necessarily a liability. But if it's as a four, if it's as a five, it doesn't really matter because Marvin's never going to be able to do it by himself. So that's actually interesting because there's an ESPN article circulating Pistons Twitter uh, grading the trade or whatever, and in that article they said that Marvin Bagley is fine, was probably their best his best chance at switching out in the guards because that's what the Kings did with him over the years. So and you're it saying didn't work? It sucked. It was okay. terrible. <laughs> and I, I don't. It wasn't necessarily his fault. Like the Kings were just a bad team defense, and he's a bad individual defender. So I don't necessarily blame Marvin, but he wasn't good either. So switching Marvin on guards is not going to work. Even if you think, oh, he's athletic and quick enough to be able to not get blown by, that's true. They'll just shoot over the top of him and, and hit every shot. So it, or at least that's how it was in Sacramento. Maybe it's different in Detroit. I certainly wouldn't try it. I'd try to do something different. So would you would you encourage uh, playing drop coverage with them then when they go into the pick and roll? You think he could uh, play better in that scenario? I'd give it a shot. I'd try everything. Honestly, I'd try everything and see what sticks with him and and what doesn't. Um, and 
you're just basically the 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 cop out answer with Marvin is you just have to rely on his athleticism for everything because his athleticism is up here and his basketball IQ comes up a few notches and then drops when he misses time and then comes up and drops when he misses time. It's just that's how his career has been. Okay, all right. Well, the Pistons do have Kelly Olynyk on the team and he could possibly play the four. And in that case, if they want to run Marvin Bagley at the five, it would definitely be interesting to see. Uh, I'm just want whatever it, it whatever the Pistons do. As long as it gets him around the rim, that's that's all I want him to be around. I don't want them making him spot up. I don't want him having to sit in a corner. I don't want him. I honestly, you know, they can try whatever, but from what I from what, I, what I've seen about him, I just I think they need to try and make it as easy as possible on him and make it just listen. We're gonna jump it off to you, dunk the ball. You're mm-hmm. gonna get rebounds. You're gonna roll the rim, catch these lobs. Like we're not gonna ask you to go out there and have to do everything offensively, and don't want you to have to do self creation, whatever. If you get mismatch, we'll feed you but we're going to try and make this thing easy as possible for you. And I'm extremely excited because I think they have two guards who will absolutely make that happen for me. Killian Hayes and Kay Cunningham. Both of them have been absolutely begging and praying for an offensive big who is not only athletic and possibly can catch lobs, but has any kind of offensive threat. So teams actually respect them and they can't just double them on drives and, 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 and block them at the rim. So I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see it. Hopefully it goes well. Uh, and definitely, uh, we're extremely excited for over in Detroit. You got any questions left for about Josh or, or Trey Lyles you want to answer before we wrap it up? No, I actually have a question about Marvin Bagley, though, because oh. um, his contract situation has been something that we've talked a lot about here. And, and I actually think it's going to be fun to watch Marvin in a situation where he's he, he's not playing with pressure anymore. Now, he could be playing with some pressure still because he's still trying to prove himself and he, he's trying to get as much money as he can uh, this upcoming offseason. So I'm not saying he's pressure free, but compared to being in Sacramento where you were selected number two overall, like that's gone. The Pistons don't care about that anymore. To, to the Pistons, he's just a, a guy that they got in kind of a middle of the road trade. To Sacramento, he was a number two overall pick that would never live up to Trey Young and Luka Doncic. So that's, he's shedded that skin a little bit. And I'm, I'm excited to see if he can play a little more freely now uh, because of that. That being said, Koo, we've talked a lot about on your podcast that if, if Marvin plays less than 2000 minutes and starts less than 41 games, that his $14 million qualifying offer w- would be cut in half to seven. I imagine that's going to be the case. I can't see him. I, if he started the rest of the season for the Pistons, I still don't think he'd hit 41. I could be wrong no. um, there though. Uh, so I, he's not going to reach that. And his qualifying offer is going to be cut in half. I imagine the Pistons are really without hesitation going to offer him that 7 million, but I wanted to check in and see your thoughts on that. If that is the case, or if they think that potentially taking the risk of allowing him to test free agency and get a less offer, get less money than 7 million that they can then match. Uh, I I'm interested to see what the thought process is, at least in your mind uh, of how the Pistons are going to approach this off season with Marvin. Uh, well, Troy Weaver was interviewed today. That's the Pistons GM. Uh, and they asked him about his qualifying offer and signing Bagley in the offseason. And Troy Weaver said, quote, unquote, the qualifying offer was the least of our worries when we traded for him. So, I mean, that could also just be like a bunch of coach speak. Uh, I'm assuming it probably is. I'm, and he's just like saying the right things, whatever, to the public. Um, but I, I do think that there's probably some truth to that because I don't think they would have made this trade because he was also then asked later on, like, why did you trade for him now instead of just waiting to the offseason and try to sign him? Uh, and he said he wanted to get the look at him for the rest of this season to see if he would fit this team. And if he does, they'd like to bring him back. So I actually think that's the truth. I think they signed him here or traded for him as long as everything. And you, you mentioned something earlier in the podcast about his family and his agent, whatever. And Marvin was actually asked about that, his first presser here oh, today. Man. 
and he and he said, like, listen, my dad's just a fan. Um, you guys, all my teammates, I've been a good teammate. I'm just here to try to play basketball and improve and all this stuff. So uh, I he hope that he has he been has a been? good teammate. He has been okay. a good teammate. Okay, that's fair. Um, but yeah, I think as long as like that stuff doesn't rear its head or that becomes an issue and he continues to play hard and, and shows that he can fit and he's going he can be a good player, I think the Pistons are are signing him back in this offseason. I, I don't think they're too worried about it. Uh, I think that was their intention. I don't think they would have traded for him uh, mm-hmm. if they didn't, if they weren't going to want to sign him back in the offseason. He's going to get a lot of run here. He's going to get a, a big chance to show that he should be here. And like I said, as long as that off the court stuff doesn't rear its head and he continues to play hard and he plays well, I think it's near 100% chance they just bring him back. Appreciate Koo for taking the time to join me here for that crossover episode. Check out all of his great work with the Detroit Pistons. I'll be paying attention uh, to the Pistons for the remainder of the season. And as long as Marvin Bagley is a Piston, I'll be paying attention because even though we no longer have an emotional investment in Bagley and there's no longer a Sacramento investment in Bagley as the number two overall pick, I'm still rooting for the guy. I still think that he can be something. Uh, So anytime that there's any news to be had with Marvin Bagley and the Pistons, I'll be following. I'll be making sure to listen to Kuka Hill and Locked On Pistons podcast, uh, and you should as well. Anytime there's some Pistons news or information that you are interested in, uh, like I said, I'm recording this before the uh, the Super Bowl has started. I imagine you're listening to it after the Super Bowl. Uh, if so, I hope the Cincinnati Bengals won. It, I mean, it's impossible for me to root for an LA team, even if I wouldn't mind seeing Matt Stafford uh, win a Super Bowl ring. Uh, I can't root for the Rams. I'm rooting for the Bengals. I hope that doesn't piss any of you off. And if it does, actually, you know what? I don't care. I'm not rooting for an LA team. Uh, and uh, you can just deal with that. But I appreciate your support so much. The Lockdown Kings podcast this week. It was an incredible week. And next week, uh, it's going to be hopefully even better or just as good. We'll start it off with the Kings and the the uh, Brooklyn Nets tomorrow, Monday night. We'll have a post-game pod of that. I'm going to have guests join me next week. There's going to be a lot of great content still to come, so I hope you'll continue to join me. If you're new to Locked on Kings, welcome. Thank you so much for being here, uh, and I hope you'll stick around for the remainder of the season. Appreciate your support as always. I'll talk to you next time. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.